welcome to the Science Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Mary Doherty, and uh, she's going to tell us about uh, her journey in science and what she does just now. Hello. Oh. So, can you start us off, uh, Mary? Can you tell us what is your what do you do just now? What's your job entail? So I am uh, the lead development scientist for a company called TechComp Europe, which is based in Livingston, and we make scientific equipment. So my job is to look at the current technology, um, see what we want to improve and see what new products we want to, to bring online. So it can be anything from the research and development. Um, I can be doing marketing, I can be doing horizon scanning, intellectual property, or even looking at drawings of instruments right down to the nuts and bolts. Okay, and what are these machines used for? So the, the particular products I work on are mass spectrometers, which are very big, very fancy scales. They ve- measure very small things very, very accurately. Okay, good. Uh, you said it's based in Livingston, but you don't work in Livingston, do you? Um, so I'm based in Inverness. Um, I joined the company during the, the COVID pandemic. So I tend to go on site um, maybe twice a week. I tend to manage my team um, remotely and actually spend most of my time talking to um, companies in Holland, in Germany, um, America, um, and our head offices in uh, Hong Kong. Um, we have a factory in Shanghai. Um, and we have sales teams all across the world. So I don't really need to be on site because I do most of my work. Um, okay. And how many people do you manage? How many people in your team? Um, so I have three teams working on three different products. Um, so in total, I think there's about six or seven of us, but we're just about to um, recruit some more people because we're starting a new project. Um, so that'll be a whole range of engineers and, and with such a, a wide-ranging company, global, and such a, a, a quite a big team, would you say your most valuable skill is your communication skills? Yeah, it probably is, which is it's quite funny because I never saw myself as a great communicator. I always thought I was quite introverted and didn't really like speaking to people. But actually, in this job, I found that's something I'm really good at doing. So. Oh, right, excellent. So... This is where you are now. Um, let's take a step back. So what did you do before you did this? So before I did this, um, I was an academic for ooh, about 25 years. So I worked in a university. Um, so doing research, um, using the, tech, the tools and techniques that I now make. So I um, use these mass spectrometers. Um, my most recent job was in the University of the Highlands Islands in Inverness, and I was there for 10 years. Um, so we had a research team there that varied from about um, five to 10 people. So anything from PhD students, technicians, uh, postdoctoral staff, research fellows. Um, I also was head of postgraduate research development. So I um, looked after students across all subject areas. Um, everything from Gaelic to marine science, um, pretty much anything, health studies, Nordic studies, a whole <laughs> range of different things. So um, I was there to help them on their student journey. And I also was responsible for equality and diversity um, for the staff in the science subjects. And we won a national award for that. So that was really good. Okay. 
And this is in the science, you, you were a scientist. So what, yes. what type of science would you say you did? Because obviously at school we've got chemistry, physics and biology. What, how do you describe the science? Doc, it was, it was using chemistry to understand biology. So my interest has always been in proteins um, and understanding how they work. So we had a whole range of projects um, from aquaculture-based products, so looking at how fish muscle grows, um, all the way to clinical projects. So we had funding from the Michael J. Fox Foundation to look um, for early markers of Parkinson's disease. Um, so that was a that was a really interesting project, and that's still still kind of carrying on. I'm acting as a consultant. Um, but we did industrial biotechnology as well. So we worked with industry, um, looking at how they can develop new products. And specifically, I would look to see what proteins were in there, or were, were they any um, that were of biological relevance, or things they could make money from. So they would come to us with samples and say, can you analyze it, what's in it? And I would use the tool, the mass spectrometer, to identify what was in their sample. So it sounds like you had quite a lot of projects on the go. Uh, yeah. Varied interest, lots of exciting things going on. Yeah, yeah, and that was what was so good about it. You know, we have a tool, a technology, but we can apply it to almost anything. Right, so we need to find out how you got to this job being at the university and looking after these groups. So backwards again, we're, we're down, now down to your education. So um, let's let's go right the way back to school and then go forward a wee bit. So... What did you enjoy at school, and where did you go to school as well? So I went to school in Kirkcaldy. Um, I'm a Fifer <laughs> who's travelled travelled around a bit. Um, so yeah, right the way through school to sixth year. Um, my real interest was in chemistry, so my hires were chemistry, physics, maths, and English because you had to do that. Um, and I did German as well. And then in my sixth year, I did biology. Um, as a, as a kind of a, I'd never done biology before, so I did that in a, in a one year. So that was that was quite interesting. Um, and yeah, and I did a lot of music as well. I haven't done any since then, but I played the double bass. <laughs> <laughs> as you do. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't managed to keep that up. And then after school, I went to Edinburgh University uh-huh. to study chemistry. But I actually started doing environmental chemistry. Um, and changed after a year because it was too hard and did straight chemistry and then um, So you get to your final you know, year you Yeah, in your final year, year I was just gonna, so in your final year the thing I remember most about my final year was my project, my research project it was the first time since school that I've actually had the chance to do my own research and I'd always thought I would do organic chemistry, sort of you know, making things, because that's what I was interested uh-huh. in. I did really, really badly in my organic chemistry exam in third year. <laughs> so I was like, right, I'm not going to get a good project with that. So there was another project on the go, um, and it was in inorganic, so sort of metals um, sort of area, but it was proteins with metals. And I thought, well, I might get a chance at that one because I'd done really well in my inorganic um Exam, so I went for that project, and that's where I fell in love with enzymes because I thought they do the job that organic chemists spend years trying to do, and they do it much better. So that's right. It's I like that. And yeah. that's when I met you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now, after you, well, actually, going back a little bit, in school, did you do sixth year projects? Yeah, I did. I did six year chemistry. Right. Uh, I did six year chemistry, six year maths. Um, and chemistry, I did my project on plastics. Um, I think because being in Fife, there was a big, um, there was most modern, the big um, ethylene plant. So uh-huh. that was kind of a problem. Ethylene interest. cracker, yeah. So I did, um, I think I took 20 plastics I don't know they must have school must have gotten from somewhere and I had to devise a test to work out which plastic was which so I was floating them I was weighing them I was burning them and seeing what the smell was yeah so that was that was great we just we just got to stand at the back of the classroom when all the other classes were going on and just play around Brain stuff and smell stuff <laughs> Okay, so you, you're enjoying research at school and in your final year, um, and then you graduate. So what happens next? So <coughs> things took a bit of a funny turn then. So I didn't get the degree that I hoped that I would get for, for various reasons. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on in the family. My dad was very ill. Um, so I did a master's. I went to St Andrews and did a uh-huh. master's in biological and medicinal chemistry. I had been offered... I really wanted to do a PhD and I'd been offered PhDs but they were all far away and I was needed at home to to help look after my dad who died during the master's year so I did the master's um, and that was I think it was really good for me instead of just jumping straight into the PhD it gave me that extra year just to to do more research independently because I had a year-round project but still do some formal work as well Um, and actually a lot of the stuff that I'd hadn't done very well in, in my undergraduate, I sailed through it. So uh-huh. it gave me that confidence. So actually, you do know that there was just a lot of stuff going on. Yes. That made, you know. And I was working all during my undergraduate as well. I worked. I had a part-time job. Uh-huh. Um, because I was, you know, the era of there weren't very many grants going. I come from a big family, so yeah. there was never, you know, there's no way we were all getting to university without actually working for it. So I had a part-time job. I worked in Halfords from when I was 16 right up until I partly through my PhD mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. you've done your master's, you've consolidated yeah. all your stuff and you've got your eye on a PhD. Yeah. So did you get a PhD? And I did. So um, I went back to the lab that I did my honours project in and uh, they, they, had a, they had a project going and actually the first project I started um, didn't work out. Um, I think you might I, remember. Yeah, that's right. I think you were starting as I was reading. That's right. It was uh, camphor. Was it camphor? It was camphor, yes. Yeah. Right. So I spent six months doing that and we got nothing out of it. And um, Steve, who was the, the lead then, Professor Chapman, um, he said, right, we're going to try something different. And he had somebody who just finished their PhD and they, they wanted to, to just do a little bit more on that. And he said, right, why don't you have a go? We've got some new kit. Why don't you try and do the same as she was doing, but using a different kit? And it kind of took off from there. Um, and It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I think the yeah. way the projects, not everything is going to work in science, is it? And sometimes um, you start something and it, the, there's no way out. So you, you need to know when to cut your losses and change. Um, yeah. And um, also the consolidation is, is, is great, really, isn't it? It's not always a dead end. It's, if you want to do something, you can find a way through. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's always worth, worth going, keeping going, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. I think as well, because things didn't always work out in my PhD, but I had a really I think, supportive team 
in you know with supervisors and other people in the group uh -huh. that I knew it wasn't me. Yes. I knew it was the science wasn't actually going <laughs> because the way they thought this enzyme worked, the <clears> one that I was working on, you know, they they they'd looked at this and they'd done all this fancy stuff, modelling and stuff, and it was going to work like this. And my data was going, no, it doesn't. Don't do that. Don't do that. What have I done wrong? What have I done wrong? And then the last six months of my project, they actually got the crystal structure of the protein. Yeah. And so they were looking at the, the active sites, so the bit that does actually all the all the, the, the fun stuff. And it didn't look like what they thought it was going to look like. Yeah. But it actually fitted my data. <laughs> That's tremendous, isn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah. That was a good result. It was like, you know, a few months to go. It's like, oh, yeah. good. And that's probably something... Actually, that was, that was really good for later on in my career when I was in a similar position where... Results weren't going the way my boss wants them to go, and I'm going, I know I'm doing it right. Yeah. Because I know I've been here before. Yes. And you've got the confidence to believe in yourself. And, uh, yeah. Exactly. I've done this right. I've gone back through it. I've checked it. This is right. These are the results. Yeah. And it's perhaps something we don't emphasize enough is that you do need quite thick skin and to be quite determined and focused in science to yeah. um, persevere, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've got your, your PhD, and you've gone through that. Um, What's next? Well, I think I decided to do something different again. <laughs> <coughs> it was just around about this is showing my age now. <laughs> it was just about the time the Scottish Parliament was set up, right. and it was all quite exciting. So I decided to go off and become a civil servant. <laughs> <laughs> so um, all this lovely research and work you've done, you think I'll, I'll take I just a break. needed a break. Yeah. I needed a break from yes. it. I needed to do something different. And I'd been really involved in the University Chemistry Society. I was the secretary for that. I'd set up a lot of um, mentoring schemes and buddy schemes for new students. And I thought, well, I quite like doing this sort of organisation y type of stuff. So why can I use those skills in something else? So, um, yeah, went to the civil service and joined the health department and had responsibility for health and safety in the NHS in Scotland. Um, we wrote a policy document on needle stick injuries, mm. which is for my not my first publication, but my first, <laughs> my first policy publication. I've had a couple yeah. of others. Um, <clears throat> equal opportunities, actually, in the NHS. And at that point, I was a bit like, I was you know, quite idealistic. I was like, well, you don't need equal opportunities. We can all do the same job. I didn't realise, actually, there are a lot of, or certainly were a lot of barriers to women doing certain jobs. Uh -huh. anywhere and um, particularly in sort of medical and science fields and that's maybe become more apparent as my career has progressed um and what else oh yeah senior pay that was an annoying one to do i had to sit and work out the senior pay of the top people in the nhs in scotland which was substantially more than the pay that i was getting <laughs> so yeah i did that for a year and but i was really missing the lab missing research probably showed what you didn't want to do uh, uh, and back into the lab then. Yeah, um, but I kind of, I use quite a lot of those skills now and I have done, uh -huh, kind of, right. you know, because I've done, as well as having the sort of academic track, I've, I've had done other stuff kind of on the side as well. But yeah, no, I, I decided I wanted to get back into lab and luckily my old boss again <laughs> stepped into the page and said, well, but I knew I wanted to travel. I knew I wanted to go and do something else. So he said, come here for a year. I've got a project. Because he, he'd just taken up a very senior management position. And he said, I want somebody to come in and, and help out. I know I can get projects up and running. Yeah. Um, and I know you do know what you're doing. So I went in. And he said, it's for a year. He said, I've got two years worth of money, but 
I only want you for a year and then I want you to go out. So I went in there and, and it was just this um, sort of genomic sequencing was coming on board and they said, look, we've, we've sequenced this, the genome of the, the bacteria I've been working on. So this protein I'd worked on had come from bacteria, but we've sequenced the genome. Go and find some proteins to work on. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so I did. Um, and we also started doing something that I'd never heard of, and the, the term had just been coined a couple of years before. There was a technique called proteomics. Mm. And I'd never heard of proteomics before, but it was using mass spectrometry to look at proteins, but not just one protein at a time, but to look at you know, as many as you could at once. So I kind of dabbled a little bit in that. Um, but, but it was always with the, the understanding that I was just there to to look for another job. So I really fancied going to the States, um, and I did. And so I got a job in New York, and my timing was as great as ever. I started in September 2001, <laughs> two weeks after 9-11. Champion, my mum was thrilled. Yeah. Um, so I was on one of the first planes out to New York um, after the Twin Towers, and when I started over there, and I worked there for a year. and. Um, yeah, it was an interesting experience. Very different to, I think, to the way UK labs are run. Um, Better or worse, or just different? Worse. <laughs> <laughs> In what way? They have a, well, they have it. So I was saying it's what's called as a postdoctoral fellow. And in a postdoctoral fellow in the UK, you're quite independent. You've uh -huh. got, there's your project, off you go. Whereas in the US, I was treated as a student again. And right. I was like, well, been a student, I've worked in the civil service, yeah. I've worked in the lab as a postdoc, and now I'm going back to being a student again. I was right. like, didn't, didn't like that. Um, I stayed for a year and it was good. Um, I learned quite a bit, but I could have been anywhere in the world. Oh. And this was kind of pre-internet days. Yeah. You know, there, was, there was a little bit of internet, but not a lot. Um, <coughs> so I decided to come home and I found a job um, in Liverpool all places, never been to Liverpool before, um, but I found the job and I was using this proteomics technique. Yeah. Um, so I went to Liverpool in the vet school and um, started doing proteomics and that's been really what I've done up until the last 18 months, so for about 20 years I did proteomics. So using mass spectrometers to look at global populations of proteins and how they change. Um, we started off working in chickens and looking to see how how chicken muscle develops over time. Um, so we started off to, to doing really static pictures, going right, day one it looks like that, day three, day five, day six, day seven, looking at the difference between chickens that lay eggs and chickens that are <laughs> ones that you eat, because they grow and they develop really differently. And then we started using some fancy techniques to actually, we always used to say, look, these are the photos, how do we turn it into a video? Yeah. So we started using some some fancy techniques to to add the, the kind of the the temporal profiling. Yeah. And um, so that was a new technique we, we developed, um, and we did that in chickens, and then we um, I remember we did it in human cell lines, and that was a really interesting project because that was working out. You know, for the first time, we we, we I think we had about 800, 900 proteins and we could work out their um, half-lives directly. Uh -huh. and we could use that to correlate them with their biological features and test some of the dogma that was out there. Because there was a lot of, well, <clears throat> proteins degrade quicker because they have certain amino acid sequences. No, they don't. 
they degrade quicker because they're a certain size and don't. Nothing correlated apart from there was one thing that we found correlated, and that was how the sort of sitting here using my hands. <laughs> morning, so you're Is that really bad? I always use my hands. It's fascinating. What was coming across really strongly, and it's lovely for people to hear, is how much you love the research and finding out things that are new, and also. Yeah finding out that things before that were not quite right. So a, a paradigm shift or um, just changing the way people thought of science before. And it shows that science is, is very much more plastic than we teach at school. Yeah. At school yeah. we teach, this is a curriculum, this is a course, this is the truth. When actually, I mean, you graduated as a chemist and have moved across to biological fields to a field that wasn't even invented when you started university yeah. and continued in that field, which is, and not only that, but... <laughs> you've gone around the UK and across the States it's a yeah. tremendous career really isn't it <clears throat> yeah and I was lucky in Liverpool that I, I managed to get a fellowship to set up my own group as well so I went from working in somebody else's group in Liverpool for about four or five years to setting up my own group and moved from the vet school over to the medical school uh-huh. and, and started having my own team and students working with me and people from around the world. I should ask at the end, but would you recommend that people go for a career in science? Women especially, because this is what the podcast is about. Absolutely. I think the the opportunities are there to do lots of different things. You you can choose your own path. There's there's so many different things you can do and at different stages you can just go, I want to go and do something else. And And use your skills and transfer it to something else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's opened so many doors that I wouldn't, you know, if I just had, if I'd gone into the job I have now, when I'd left school, I wouldn't have had the, the chance to, well, I'd have a chance to travel the world, but not in the same way. I wouldn't have gone to international conferences. Um, you know, I sit on boards now of um, a range of bodies. Um, I wouldn't have got the chance to do that. You know, I'm seen as an expert in certain fields. Um, I've written policy. <laughs> you don't need to use air quotes when you say that. You are an expert. I'm just a wee girl from Gurkhardi, you know. Yeah, imposter syndrome. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But everybody suffers from that. They do. You know, do. you do. And I, even the, the great and the good do. I mean, I've, I've sat in meeting rooms with, um, I don't know if you, you the the... You know, your, your students will know Jocelyn Bell Burnell, who's an amazing physicist. Right. Um, she was a person that should have won a Nobel Prize but didn't. Right. And she's recently, she's won this massive prize, and she's such a lovely woman. Instead of going and spending all this money, she set up um, PhD studentships for um, underprivileged people. Right. People who wouldn't normally be able to do a PhD. Uh-huh. She set them up in, in physics. Um, but I've been lucky enough to have you know, dinner with her and sit on committees with her. I sat on a committee with her looking at um, representation of women in science in Scotland. And they'd done a report in 2008 and we did the update of it 10 years later um, and just looking at how things had developed. And it was really good because I was there as some, a member of what's called the Young Academy of Scotland. Um, and there was three of us and they were very concentrated, you know, the, the committee really concentrated on you know, women in senior positions and asked them, you need to go right back to, to nursery school and see yeah. how things are taught there and yeah. how, how they, because I feel, you know, I have two children, I've seen how they change as going to primary school and how, uh-huh. when, you know, I'm always telling them you can do anything you want to do and then my son will come home and go, oh, no, but that's a girl's job and a boy's job and I'm like, <laughs> oh, 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 no, that's, that's not.